it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, look who's back in action on a big Friday, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who's not about to get indicted by New York prosecutors. The hot rumor in politics is Donald Trump could be charged any minute now for hooking up with a porn star. Hubba, hubba. We'll explain why the quest to take down Trump is doing more damage to the left than it is to Trump. And dig this, even CNN says so. CNN is the worst. Big grown-up talk coming your way. Diamond Dave Landau is going to be here, and we're also going to talk about the Biden budget battle with U.S. Marine Johnny Joey Jones, who joins us in the next hour. Uh, he is, of course, also a Fox News contributor and an all-around good human being. Uh, 888-788-9910, the phone number. If you're a good human being or if you're a bad one, it is Friday. We could spice it up a little bit. Uh, but the only rule on the show, however you want to do this sort of thing, uh, believe what you want, vote for what you want, espouse whatever views you want. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent, be a furry. You can call up and say you identify as a dog. We don't care. We just need you to be a good dog. That's all we ask. Just don't be a Happy Friday, everybody. Um, a lot of fail going on on the TV today and tomorrow. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, uh, I will be on with the great Martha McCallum today in the 3 p.m. hour. That's a hot one. Uh, I will be on with Dagan McDowell in the 6 p.m. hour. Uh, tomorrow, I will be on Fox and Friends Saturday morning with the great Rachel Campos Duffy. And tomorrow night, I am on with Dan Bongino on the Dan Bongino Show. Me and DB, good friends. And uh, he is a passionate man. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. But I think the big TV news, and it's the reason I'm opening with all of this self-promotion, everybody's like, shut up, get to the show already, fatso, uh, is this Monday, as you know. The highest-rated late-night show in America is the Gutfeld Show. And this Monday, your radio buddy is hosting the show again. Oh, girl, take off the apron, Jenny Fallon. We are going out tonight. We're actually not going out tonight, Jenny, if you're listening. But we went out last night, and uh, wow, we put up some big numbers. If you're listening at the Bryant and Cooper Steakhouse on the north shore of Long Island, uh, you're welcome. Uh, the champ started eating, and I don't think he ever stopped. This is absolutely gross. Wow, who recorded Jenny? Uh, but the point is, we had a bang-up night last night. Uh, I'm actually going to have a pretty mellow weekend because Saturday, excuse me, Monday, hosting Gutfeld's a big deal. You know, as somebody who grew up watching The Tonight Show, the idea that you're watching a show with higher ratings than The Tonight Show and you happen to be in the host chair leading the conversation, uh, it's a high honor. It's really exciting. Like, I'm actually really pumped up. Uh, but I'm in a delirious mood. It was such a busy week. Yesterday we had the big three-year anniversary of the show and all of that crazy stuff. If I didn't get back to your messages on social media, I'll be doing that all night tonight when I get out of here. Uh, and then I had a great dinner with Jenny. And then I went home and did a quick cursory read of the news just to see what was coming my way on Friday. And I start reading these stories 
that Trump is going to jail for this narrative that he paid off Stormy Daniels and it's going to bring him down. It was made up by these sick people. Okay, I just want to jump in here. Okay, it's not a political statement I'm about to make. I, I qualify this a lot. If you're listening to me for the first time, I don't talk to you like a Republican. I talk to you as an American. Okay, just, you know, take a look out at the world. Okay, and I'm going to really oversimplify this one, and it'll make life easy for everybody, including myself, because I'm not really capable of critical thought right now. Jenny was buying a lot of wine. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Okay, just to be clear, that was aimed at me and not Jenny. I don't want to get in a fight when I get home. I'm too tired for that. But, folks, have you ever had a friend who complained about one of their coworkers so much you eventually realized your friend was the problem in the office. Do you know what I mean by that? I was dating a girl, oh, Summer. Her name was Summer. She was from Fitchburg, Massachusetts. There's no way she's listening. But I was dating a girl from Fitchburg, Massachusetts back in the day. And, uh, you know, she worked with a girl, another hairdresser named Shannon. And Shannon did this. And Shannon did that. And crazy Shannon did this. And I can't believe Shannon said that. Did you see what Shannon was wearing? And after like a month of this, I found myself sitting there like, I wonder what Shannon's doing tonight. She sounds kind of cool. You know, there's such a thing as complaining about someone so much that eventually it makes people realize you're the problem. Bingo. That's where we are in Trump world right now. It's really fascinating because the juxtaposition of him potentially being indicted, and it's screaming from the headlines. It's everywhere. It's all over MSNBC. It's certainly all over CNN. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. But the point is, even to CNN's credit, okay, they give some pretty constructive analysis of what's about to happen. But the point is the people in the media who hate Trump so much, who might ultimately try to indict him on some type of campaign finance violation, they're doing this in the same week that Trump is releasing a book. It's called Letters to Trump. He's putting out a book this week of 150 public figures who have written him letters over the years because he's old school. He writes handwritten notes to people. They write back and stuff. So he's got letters from people like, you know, Oprah, people like President Reagan, you know, people like the Clintons, you know, famous people, members of polite society, people who loved him, who didn't believe he was a criminal, who never said he was Hitler until he entered politics. And then everybody who liked him and hung out with him and went to his parties at Mar-a-Lago we're like, this guy's literally Hitler. He's a criminal. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did him. Understand really quick. Everybody who is an objective observer, I'm not saying you're wearing a MAGA hat. I'm not saying you vote Republican. But if you're an objective observer, then you know Donald Trump was a member of polite society for the better part of 30 years. Late 70s, all the way, I mean, really 40, 50 years at this point, but, you know, started in the late 70s. Okay, and Donald Trump has been a member of polite society ever since. He was a boxing promoter accepted by mainstream pop culture, politics, and entertainment. Okay, he was a casino developer, again, accepted, welcomed by people like Barbara Walters, welcomed by people like Rosie O'Donnell. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Whatever. The point is, they all welcomed him. He used to go on The View all the time. The View is awful. I mean, but think about it. He used to hang out with Howard Stern. Remember how Howard Stern was like, oh, I'm the, I'm the king of all media. That is a fact check false. Nobody cares about Howard Stern anymore. I mean, at his peak, he had as good of a radio career as anybody will ever have. But Howard Stern went from the king of all media. He's whined so much. 
He's now like the Prince Harry of all media. That is correct. But the point is, all of these people who love Trump and embrace Trump never thought he was Hitler, never thought he was a criminal until he got into politics. And now that we're into politics, the people that are so bothered by his relevance, his success, his threat to their own political fortunes, have gone so far out of their way to convince the world this guy was evil that you objective observers now realize these folks are the problem. That's true. That is true. And that's where we are with this latest indictment, okay? You know, you've got media characters, you know, the Joe Scarboroughs of the world, who just they can't deal with the omnipotence of Donald Trump. Like Joe Scarborough used to have Trump on his show all the time, all the time. You know, four or five times a week he'd have him on, hung out at Mar-a-Lago all the time. But then when Trump came so politically potent, you know, the one thing about media people is their egos are magnificent things to behold. You know, I've been around a lot of these people. The thing that makes Fox News work is when you meet us, we all seem like we know you because we're regular people. But a lot of the other, like, legacy TV networks have people who think they're, like, stars. They think, they think, like, you're privileged to walk amongst them. They think you're, like, privileged to even watch them. And uh, the idea that somebody who was, like, a flunky, just a regular call-in guest on the show, is now the most famous person in the universe, it really does burn their balls. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. So that's part of the reason the media people turned on him, like the, you know, the Joe Scarboroughs and the Howard Stearns, guys who loved him. I mean, they loved him. They laughed with him. They hung out with him. They didn't have him on to ridicule him. They didn't have him on to say, like, this guy sucks. Can you believe it? They had him on because he was part of the gang. They had him on because they liked to go to Mar-a-Lago. Hanging out. That's what they liked. That's what they were into. So there was the media people who turned on him for that reason. And, of course, they had a political motivation as well because a lot of them vote Democrat and all the Democrats who took his money. Because, as you know, Trump has donated to both political parties, at times has been a Democrat and has been a Republican. He has aged into his conservative values and his America first stance. Why? Because what happens is if you live the life of prosperity a guy like that has, where your dad got rich and then you took a small fortune and made it even bigger. It's the one knock they always say. It's like, well, Trump's dad had money. How many people do you know whose parents had money who contributed absolutely nothing to society themselves? I think he's got a point. Do you know how many people are born into, bequeathed into money and don't amount to anything? I mean, sadly, Trump had a brother who suffered from substance abuse and didn't live very long. And he was born into spectacular prosperity, just like Trump was. So the fact that he had a work ethic and was able to capitalize on the prosperity he was born into is not something that should be held against him, okay? It's something that really distinguishes him from a lot of rich offspring. But that being said, Trump donating to both parties, Trump ultimately becoming a Republican, of course, made him anathema to the political class in D.C., whether they were Republican or Democrat. Don't ever forget, the Republican establishment tried so hard to screw him out of the 2016 nomination, they were praying to God he wasn't going to meet the delegate threshold before the convention so they could have a brokered convention. If you remember at the time, Reince Priebus established a website explaining to voters how a brokered floor vote was going to work. And why were they going to have a brokered floor vote? Because if Trump didn't win the nomination outright, they were going to steal it from them. Correct mundo. Okay, so understand nobody wanted any part of him. And now that he's even in office, okay, when he got in in 2016, most of the establishment still didn't want any part of him. You think Mitch McConnell Wants to hang out with Donald Trump and put up with him? The answer would be no. No chance, okay, which is why we've been besieged. The media, okay, the politicians, but most importantly, the American people who've been forced to inhabit like this walls are closing in mentality of the past six years.
The walls are closed. He's going to jail. This is it. The kids are going to testify. It was sick. Okay, first it was Russia. Oh, you guys don't understand. It's Russia thing's bad. He colluded with Russia. He's going to jail tomorrow. <laughs> All right, didn't happen. And they were like, oh, well, Ukraine. He's, uh, you know, selling influence, bribing, leveraging his assets in Ukraine. He's getting thrown out. But <laughs> didn't happen. Then they were like, the veterans. He slandered the dead veterans. I can't. What kind of an animal slanders the dead? And then everybody in the room went on record to the Atlantic. And what did they say? Hey. 24 of us are willing to go on record and say this is complete garbage and it didn't happen. Okay, so they moved on from the veterans. Then they impeached them. They impeached them again. Then they were like, no, no, it's taxes. You don't understand. It's taxes. <laughs> Nothing happened. Okay, an accountant pled guilty to something, but the accountant does the taxes. Trump doesn't do the taxes. Shut up. Now we're down to the fact that he hooked up with a porn star and paid her off. I love it when you talk dirty. But the point is, Okay, they're trying to tell you this is some type of campaign finance violation. This is going to be the be-all, end-all. Folks, this is the kind of criminal act that if, in fact, it turns out to be true, which is not going to be true. Stormy Daniels lost a defamation uh, case against Donald Trump. Yes, she was defrauded from her lawyer. But if, in fact, Trump's lawyer made a payment, then Trump's lawyer committed the violation. But even if in some wild, spectacular confluence of events— Trump was found guilty. He's not going to jail. He's not facing a sentence that's going to leave him in prison. So this is like the Democrats, whose number one sexual fantasy is throwing him behind bars, finding a new scene to create in their little emotional search engine. That's what's going on here. And when Adam Kinzinger is a pseudo voice of reason, I'm telling you, Democrats, you're in a bad spot. This is clip four. I guess it's a big story to an extent. It's not the the enchilada I think everybody is thinking. Obviously, the biggest thing I'm interested in is what happens on the January 6th situation and stuff like that. But this obviously, there's a lot of details I still don't necessarily know about this case. Um, but as all your guests have been saying, it's going to be difficult to prove, difficult to, to prosecute. So I think people need to look at this kind of in that in that spectrum and realize, look, we're still waiting to hear from Georgia and, and some of the other stuff federally as well. That's Adam Kinzinger, who is a CNN Republican. And understand, a Republican that works at CNN is like a chicken that works at Popeye's. He's not there to represent the best interest of his fellow chickens. Do you understand? And that's Adam Kinzinger, at least being sober enough in this moment to admit it's going nowhere. Okay, again, you've all had a friend, you've all had a spouse who's complained about someone else so much you realize the friend was the loony. Okay, understand that at this remote hour, two years removed from his presidency, they're not going after Donald Trump because he's out of control. They're going after Donald Trump because they're out of control. Donald Trump's presidency is over, but for millions of Americans who devoted their entire lives to bashing him, the battle is just getting started. My car won't start, friggin' Trump. The Ex-President Hotline helps you find a way to move on with your life. The Ex-President Hotline. He's destroying this country and he deserves to be in jail. He's not in office anymore, ma'am. Take a deep breath. Don't mansplain to me. Hating a president is a good way to avoid your own problems. Unfortunately, presidents go away, but your problems don't. Where's the tow truck? Probably stuck in traffic because of Trump. The Ex-President Hotline giving millions of Americans an outlet they can vote for. 
Thank you for holding. I understand you're calling because you're still upset about Barack Obama. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Rocking out to some Nirvana. The late, great Kurt Cobain, a good friend of Kennedy, who I am going on tour with, the Laughs and Liberty Tour. Tickets are on sale for the first stops. Okay, of course, the first stop on the tour is Reading, Pennsylvania, May the 6th. But the second stop is in Clearwater, Florida, May the 20th. And joining us now on the phone is a man who says he has some good intel for us when we get on the ground in Clearwater. Scott is in Tampa. Yo, Scott. Yo, Jimmy. My man. How are you, my friend? Better now. Didn't we meet at the Tampa Improv? We did. Myself and my wife. Yes, you uh, did. Yes. Had a lovely night out. Oh, buddy. Thanks for that. Um, is, the, is, is Tampa still intact? Because I understand Brian Kilmeade was down there doing a show this week. He was down at Goody Goody, and I missed him. Uh, it's for the best. The, those Kilmeade parties get rowdy. Yeah, I, I, I listen to your show. Oh, thanks for that. Well, I'll tell Brian, too. Mikey, yell down the hall. I kid. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you know about? What, give me this Kennedy intel for Tampa. What do you know? Okay, so here's the deal. I've been in the business, food business, for 22 years. Mm-hmm. So, so if you and Kennedy want to have the best night out Ooh. from a food perspective, steak, Ooh. just great company, let me know. Ooh, all right. So I, you're... I have a question for you. Yep. Though. My wife's going to be at the National Restaurant Show. Mm-hmm. So, so I might have to bring my 10-year-old out to, to the, the To show. the stand-up? No, no, don't do that. You want to know why? I Cause do that. I don't mind you exposing your kid to this material, but it, it's a little rowdy. And what happens is it inhibits the rest of the audience. When they see a 10-year-old, they're like, is it okay to be talking about that? It freaks them out a little bit. That's my – like you can bring okay. your kid backstage, let him hang out at the meet and greet, son, daughter, whatever – uh, but I wouldn't advise putting him in the showroom. He's going to be drunk. It's going to be a mess. Like, people do uh, it at comedy clubs, but I'm telling you, it it kind of complicates the vibe, so they usually advise against it. All right. But, I mean, you're all still right. welcome to come, and we'd love to hang, and we'll certainly get in touch with you about eating some steak or something. Come on, man. Scotty. I'm getting my, v- I'm getting my VIP ticket. Oh. There's a little house here called Burn Steakhouse. All right. Well, we're going to talk about it, because I'm going to lose you to a commercial break. But before you get those VIPs... Get a babysitter for the kid, and we'll talk when I land. See you, buddy. Great call. It is Fox Across America. Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888 888- Seven eight eight nine nine one zero. I had announced earlier that I'll be hosting the Greg Gutfeld show this coming Monday, but it's not the only late night news of the week. Kamala Harris is going on the Stephen Colbert show this Wednesday. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> but then think about it. If there was ever a place to have a fake laugh, it's the Stephen Colbert show. You are correct, sir. 
Where else? I mean, what would you do with a real laugh on the Stephen Colbert show? Oh, God, he's just awful. Comedy in a lot of ways is failing the country right now, just the same way Hollywood is and to some extent sports have. A lot of these things used to be common culture, places we would go to put our differences aside and just have a laugh. We were never as militant on the political side as we are now. Like, here's the thing, and this is the myth of the time we're living in, okay? We never disagree. We never agreed on politics, ever. Never agreed. We've been fighting over what to do at the border for 50 years. Okay, Roe versus Wade is 50 years old. We've been fighting over abortion for 50 years. These are not new issues. The only thing new, the only thing new is the way we fight about them. That's it. Okay, and social media has incentivized conflict, and they've turned your political opinions into a brand. And everybody is so concerned with getting approval for their own personal brand in the way of likes, because that's what we're governed by now, the digital dopamine we get from our phone every day, that we've now become you know, very tribal and that you can't be seen coexisting with somebody from the other side because that's harmful to the brand. Where, where am I going to get likes from if they see me hanging out with this guy? And because comedy adapted that mindset, sports adapted that mindset, Hollywood adapted that mindset – they're all going downhill in terms of their ability to provide us with a source of common culture. Okay, Super Bowl's doing great. They're making a ton of money. Okay, but there are a lot of people that still feel alienated from the NFL. You know, a good reason why is because this stretches back to Colin Kaepernick, who's a transactional idiot who I guess is running out of Nike money because now he's doing an interview in which he's saying his white adoptive parents, you know, the ones that adopted a black baby, He's now accusing them of being racist. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I mean, really, Twitter needs a a button called like desperate for attention. Let me give you this Kaepernick really quick. It is clip 23. It's his true high school coming of age story. His journey embracing his blackness despite resistance from many, including his white adoptive parents. God, I know my parents love me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home and how we move forward collectively while addressing the racism that mm. is being perpetuated. He took cues from his icon, basketball star Allen Iverson, who he said wore his blackness like a suit of armor. And teenage Kaepernick wanted cornrows to match. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. Your mom Become. said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But it also is informed why I have my hair long today. Garbage like you just makes me sick. I mean, really. So if you're keeping score at home, the white people who adopted a black baby were racist. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. You know, the fact that they were concerned about his appearance and she wanted him to look more professional. That was racist, is what she wants you to believe. I mean, come on. That was embarrassing. Seriously, it's embarrassing. But why? Because he gets attention off that racial grift. There is no one listening to the show right now. No one listening. Who didn't have the experience in life of wanting to do something, but their parents wouldn't let them. He knows what he's talking about. That's not called racism. That's called Life. Bingo, man. Bingo. Oftentimes your parents, especially in his case, 
white people who adopted a black baby, oftentimes your parents are trying to curate your public behavior to coincide with theirs. And it's not because they hate you. It's because they're very aware of the world you're growing up in and they want to, okay, they want you to represent them in a way that's consistent with their values. Mom, can I have 50 bucks to go get a keg of beer? No. It's not because she's anti-white people. Certainly not anti-alcohol if you've ever hung out with my mom. Hoo-hoo. Wow. But the point is they want their kids behaving a certain way. And every parent should have the right to be able to influence their child's behavior. Every single parent. And I bring this up because when it comes to the 2024 election, one of the most profound battles being waged out of the state of Florida, and it's certainly being waged out of the state of Virginia as well, is over education and parents' role in educating their kids. And specifically the fact that there are a lot of school districts right now that are encouraging kids to transition, but then saying, well, you know, if you're Parents aren't supportive of that. We won't tell them. We'll give you a safe haven here at the school where your parents don't have to support your idea. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. School? Parent. The fact you're the school, these aren't your kids. You don't have the right to control the development of these kids and what they do in public and and everything in between and shield their parents from critical information. It's not to say... Okay, parents should discourage kids from being whatever the hell they want. But there are some parents out there that might know their kid. And to be honest with you, all parents who pay attention know their kid better than their teachers do and know the difference between going through a phase and know the difference between having an impressionable kid who could be getting coerced into something else. You understand there are a lot of people in this gender ideology war. They are recruiting. The reason little kids go to drag shows, the reason they're putting all these transsexual you know, sex books into schools, so graphic in nature that the TV networks couldn't even cover the DeSantis broadcast on Wednesday. Think about that. They were reading the content of these school books available to kindergarten kids. And the TV news networks that can show you a murder on TV, that can show you war footage on TV, were like, oh, hell no, we ain't showing this. Think about that. And they had to cut away. So think of how graphic the content is they're trying to subject these kids to. Why? Because they're trying to normalize that worldview amongst the younger generation because they think they'll grow up to have that same political ideology. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's the point of drag shows for kids. That's the point of all this trans literature for kids. They believe it comes with a built-in political ideology. We can, if they become trans, they become gay, whatever they do, which is fine. You should be anything you want in America. But they believe they'll have a higher probability of voting a certain way. So that's the only reason it's going on. It's not about safety or protection or inclusion. And I've made this point with Caitlyn Jenner a million times. Caitlyn Jenner is the face of the transgender movement and that Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, went on the cover of Vanity Fair, full stop. Change the bathrooms, change the way we have sports. Okay, this is an ESPN Courage Award for Caitlyn. She's the greatest. And personally, I like Caitlyn Jenner. She's great on the show when she's on. I genuinely love talking to her. Uh, But the point being is the minute she said she was a Republican, the minute, the minute she said she was a Republican, the same day, the people took the face of the transgender movement and they were like, Uh, get her out, get 
out of here. And to be clear, wasn't the Republicans saying that? It was the Democrats. You know, those tolerant and inclusive, we've got to look out for every trans person Democrat. Democrats are so full of crap. But you understand where a guy like DeSantis, even a guy like Yunkin, is winning this battle right now, and it's a major culture war issue, is up until now, and there's a political gift from the heavens as far as I'm concerned, up until now, it was never controversial to say parents should know what was going on in their kids' lives. This idea that schools are now coming out and issuing an edict over whether or not a parent can know what's going on in their kids' lives? That's not right. Number one. Number two, schools have no right. They have no right to issue that judgment call on behalf of the kid. So you got some wacko teacher, some ideologue, who wants more trans students, wants more gay students, is really pumping this viewpoint into their curriculum. And when they see a breakthrough and they get a kid showing buying signs, the teacher can decide, well, you know, the kid might not be safe at home telling them to his parents, so we're just going to keep this between us till the kid's fully trans. I mean, on some level, there are cases where that's happening. I know it's not every level, and I know there are houses that aren't supporting of kids that should be, but the idea that teachers... And schools get to make the call instead of the parents raising these people. That's just not how it works, okay? I had teachers in seventh grade who would buy me beer, okay? I once went on a school trip to Six Flags in eighth grade where we had a teacher smoking a joint with the kids before we went on a log flume, okay? To be clear, I didn't know what it was and I didn't smoke it, and I regret that. I probably would have had a good time. But understand, are you going to tell me there's a world where teachers are all this infallible source of impeccable wisdom and judgment and they should have the right to supersede the will of the parent? <laughs> but somehow that's a debate point now. So when DeSantis gets out there and takes this fight on, it's a winning issue across the aisle, whether the Democrats realize it or not. OK, when Glenn Youngkin gets out there and takes this position. Okay, it's a winning issue whether they realize it or not. Okay, it's really funny because Youngkin did a town hall last night with CNN. Okay, and here is Jake Tapper putting it on the line with Youngkin because he had spoken about how, you know, when it comes to transgender people, you know, these are schools that are trying to shield parents, which, again, don't tell your parents growing up. Don't tell your parents. The phrase don't tell your parents was synonymous with people who shouldn't be around children, people who shouldn't be anywhere near them. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Really think about that. Growing up, the phrase don't tell your parents. Who did you hear that from? The local pedophile, some creep, some drug dealer, some wayward adult had a thing for kids. Don't tell your parents is now an official mantra of a political side of the aisle in this country? What the hell is the world coming to? Seriously, with these people in charge, nothing good. But here is Jake Tapper trying to give it a young kid. Clip 10. I don't doubt that that Sage's grandmother and Nico's dad are, are wonderful, but not every parent is supportive, especially when it comes to LGBT Q students, especially when it comes to transgender students, then what? Well, again, I, I, I believe firmly that 
parents have a right to be engaged in their children's lives, and parents want to be engaged in children's lives, and a child does want their parent. This is a moment for counselors and teachers and parents to come together and deal with what is a difficult issue, but they should do it together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because the key word there, Jake Tapper, the key word there, teachers, the key word there, trans activist, is parents. Parents. You ever read a letter to the parent or legal guardian thereof? Okay, until you're 18, if the parent don't want you doing it, guess what? You shouldn't be doing it. Okay, if you want to get a tattoo before the age of 18, your parent don't want you doing it, can you legally get a tattoo? The answer would be no. You want to go drink beer? Okay, you're not above 18, so you can't really technically get, no? The answer would be no. Of course not. Okay, you wanted to get a boob job. Can you get a boob job? The answer would be no. No, you need your parents' approval. So the idea that there's trying to be a work around the parents, because some parents won't support it. Oh, well, like I said, my mom wouldn't let me get jump off the roof when we were playing Superman. She'd say, don't do that. Don't jump off the roof, you fat idiot. You're going to break your collarbone in the backyard. We're going to have a homeowner's claim from your fat friend Bernie, and now we're broke. So, hey, Superman, how about you do the scene where you work at the Daily Planet? Nobody has to try to fly, you moron. Like, All right, yeah, I'll get down. That's how it works. They're your parents. They call the shots till you're old enough to call them on your own. The idea that there's people in the Democratic Party trying to eliminate the parents from the decision-making process in the history of the world, no one who ever tried to openly ostracize the parent from the kid had good intentions in mind. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, doing the damn thing. 888-788-9910. Johnny Joey Jones is a military hero. He joins us in the next hour for a little bit of a State of the Union. And then Diamond Dave Landau. Uh, we're going to wake him up. He's out in Vegas right now at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. I mean, he had a late show last night. So if I had to guess, he's being spooned by a Wayne Newton impersonator. Some <laughs> some shady off-the-strip hotel. The weird things go on in comedy condos uh, out in Las Vegas. You know, so much more than a show. I don't want to get into it. Uh, point being, the rent doesn't pay itself, folks. Uh, but right now, I am here making my living with you. And uh, in the next hour, there's two things we have to get into. It's like a grown-up, you know, all-hands-on-deck situation. Biden unveiled a new budget uh, that is, I believe, $7 trillion dollars at a time when we are already, like, using rent-a-center furniture in the White House. That is financial lunacy. It's not pretty, but we're going to get into it in the specific allocation of funds. And again, I have no right to judge anybody on how they spend their money. You guys have all seen the clothes I wear on TV. I'm the last person that should be saying anything. And then we're going to get into it. It's a real wild one. But if you've been following this hearings on Twitter over big tech interference, yo, I don't know if you how much of this you saw. But it's fascinating in that the people doing all of the like cross-examination on, you know, Capitol Hill, the congresswomen, 
don't know anything about technology. Somebody didn't know what Substack was. Congresswoman Garcia, she thinks a Substack is something you order at IHOP. Let me get a Substack with the sausage and the syrup. Let me just, you know. Shut up. Will you shut up? It's fascinating. And I tell you this all the time, man. When I was offered the show, I was like, no, dude, I'm not smart enough to cover politics. And then I saw the people who were in politics. And I looked in the mirror after that, and I was like, oh, man. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Compared to these people, this is fascinating. Okay, and the more you the more you listen to it, here's the th- the the one making the rounds is the th- well, I don't want to give away the ending, but here it is, clip 17. In your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss. My friend Barry Weiss. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is what is her? Um... She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please yes, ma'am. Barry interrupt. Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir. She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her. Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? <laughs> um, there was many more people involved in that. <laughs> Sylvia Garcia. So you guys are in this as a threesome? And he's just like, I love it when you talk dirty. It's all filthy, but we'll clean up the mess in the next hour on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are back in action on a big Friday, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. We're broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters. It's a kind of a prestigious show in that we're here, we're at Fox News, where all the big stars are, the Talkers and the Hannity's and the Dana Perino's and the Bill Hemmer's. And for people like that, you know, we normally bring on the guest at, say, 1.35 or 2.35, middle of the hour, you know, give it a little bit of buildup. And from time to time, there'll be such a showbiz diva in the building (laughs) That you'll just barrel into here like it's Kool-Aid, roller skating through a wall. Oh, yeah. Joining us now on the skates, <laughs> Fox News contributor, uh, military hero, the great Johnny Joey Jones. Hey, man. Man, you hit me with a four-letter word there, too, with the hero. I That's can't. I can't. I don't know if diva or hero is a, is a worse <laughs> insult. Um, you hit me with two of them, so I got I to gotta bring some punches. Uh, I just was thinking about myself with prosthetic legs on skates there. <laughs> it doesn't end good. Yeah. It doesn't end good. So to be clear, he is here flat-footed. He is not yeah. on the skates. Uh, it is good to see you. And, yes, do you have a do you, are you like a compliment-averse person? Because I have a hard time. If someone says something nice to me, I'm like, I'm a loser. It's tough, you know, because I think so highly of myself, it's hard for <laughs> other people to compete with what I think of myself. So even when they give <laughs> me a compliment, I'm like, ah, oh, you're kind of underselling it a little bit. Like, you really didn't go all the way to the top there. You know? Best guy in the world. <laughs> have you been to Jupiter? How about solar system? Oh, that's, that's right. funny. Well, you and I haven't spoken. Uh, since your Bulldogs won the college football national championship. Again. Half, there it is. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> has has the keg party ended down there? No. You know, here's the funny thing is we've had some kind of negative stuff happen. Yeah, yeah. There was a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stetson Bennett, our, you know, Do- Dobie Gillis quarterback, uh, has had some negative publicity. And everybody kind of everything got quiet. And then they all showed up to the combine and they're just like killing it. So now all the buzz is right back. You <laughs> they're know? back. Yeah. Oh, Johnny Joey Jones is in studio topping off the hour. He's got a busy TV night tonight. He's going to be on Waters World. You're going to see him on the big Saturday, big Sunday show. The sun never sets on your TV empire. You're filling in for Will Kane. 
Yeah, on Sunday, I believe I'm in. I know I'm on Fox and Friends weekend on on Sunday. I believe it's for Will. It, wow. it could end up being for Pete. You never know. They're you don't know with those guy. guys. But yeah. again, it's a high honor because you're filling in for actual cable news super hunks. That's right. That's, like they're it's smart. True. Like to be clear, I don't want to discredit their intelligence because they're both very intelligent. Yes. Once you put aside the fact that Will's a Cowboys fan, very intelligent guy. But you're born into that kind of. Yeah, stupidity. it is true. It's like religion. Yeah. Your parents yeah. pick it for you, but you are sitting in for like an for actual super hunks. Like eighty percent of the ratings are you know. Well, you're, you're not right, you're not wrong, and and we can we can go down that path and get ourselves in trouble. But you know, <laughs> we're gonna get it's yeah. a he too movement. That's okay. The that's he okay. too. I'm I'm with it. But you're absolutely right. Like I told, I've I've said this joke a couple of times, and what's funny about it is it's not a joke. Which is I'm making a career out of filling in for Pete Hegseth. <laughs> you know, like to the point that I walk down the like it happened to me yesterday walking down the Atlanta airport. This guy goes Pete Hegseth, and I just ignore it. You know, like if you don't. <laughs> If you don't know my name, we don't need to talk. You know. That's funny. I get the opposite. They're like, Chris Farley, I thought you died. <laughs> I loved you and Tommy Boy. You're still with us. I'm kidding. Oh. We're talking to Johnny Joey Jones. Give me this really quick. Has anyone – I? You know, like sometimes like, uh, okay, it's a good example. Chris Rock put out a special this week. A lot of comics have like a backstage opinion. You know what yeah. I mean? The one we'll give you on TV. Not that the, we're holding back per se. Yeah. But there's a level of analysis backstage that's like, like if, if, amongst comics, this was what it would be. We'd say Chris Rock did a really funny hour, but the comics were like 40 minutes of that hour were setups. He sure. does a long setup. My daughter's spoiled. She's spoiled. You've seen her. She's spoiled. You know, yeah. we know what padding looks like, but I wouldn't go on TV and say that because it's kind of like what's, they just want your take. Did you like the Will Smith thing? Did you like the, you know? Yeah. But uh, amongst Marines, do they have green room analysis of what goes on in Ukraine? What I mean yeah, by absolutely. I'm okay. on a group text with uh, however many are allowed on a group text, like 14 others. Yeah. And, you know, that's the place where nobody lets that out because if it does, it'd ruin all of us. And it's not because we're being mean or yeah. offensive. It's because we're telling the truth. Okay. And the truth is scary and, and hurtful and it hurts people's feelings, but it's true. Okay. And um, really, you go all the way back to Afghanistan mm-hmm. and all the problems with getting folks out of there. I mean, there's a guy in that group text that was there for that. Oh, wow. And so the truth is, hey, these officers don't know what in the heck they're doing. Yeah. Hey, these these decision makers really screwed us over there. Mm-hmm. And with with Ukraine, it is, hey, wh- what are we trying to do? Because what they're saying we're doing is not possible. Okay. It's not possible for us to support them that way and them win. Yeah. So are they trying to drag this out? Like, what's the truth here? Yeah, yeah. And that, I think, is a lot of people's concern is that there yeah. hasn't been like a – no one has defined victory. Sure. And that's, I think, frustrating. The only thing they've defined is that they're very comfortable Venmoing money. Well, you know, did they ever define victory in Afghanistan or Iraq? I guess they at least said, like, yeah, this is vague. Afghanistan was like, we don't want it to become a breeding ground for terror groups. Yeah. But guess what? The only honest person in D.C. about Afghanistan was Lindsey Graham, who yeah. said, we need to be there forever. Yeah. At least that's honest. I yeah. don't agree with it. No, but <laughs> but it's honest. But, and, and the reason he thinks we need to be there is completely different than anything you'd sell the public. Yeah, this <laughs> is exactly like right. money, you yeah. know, money and stuff like that. So in, in, in the world of group texting, is there a concern then that there's this back channel motivation? To I've just... got guys in that group text who are mm-hmm. going to Poland right now mm-hmm. because some of the ordinance they're finding on the battlefield and having to work with because I came from the, the, yeah. the bomb technician world is new stuff we haven't encountered before so we have a chance to gather some intelligence the backside of that is there's stuff that we are leaving on the battlefield that's ours that we don't want them to know about uh-huh. and they have to kind of help manage that with with the type of intelligence that we're leaving on the battlefield so uh-huh. it, it is a bigger concern for the safety of our men and women in uniform than our government's letting us know that's crazy we're talking to johnny joey jones uh, A.K.A. Pete Hegseth, if you're in a <laughs> Delta terminal making some moves this weekend. Yeah, I, and again, my military, I know no one in the military. I know Captain Crunch. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's <laughs> as far as I'm pretty tight with General Mills. That's about as far as I can take it. And you know we have both of those. Yeah. There's a there was a Marine Corps Captain Crunch and a Marine Corps General Mills. Is that true? Absolutely. That's funny. Do they make you eat cereal for breakfast every day? No, I, I, <laughs> trying to move product. Yeah, they're they're probably just trying to be be commandant of the Marine Corps, chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, like every other officer. <laughs> so funny. Well, then the only other thing I would add to that, because we've had like I've had a lot of discussions about this is I feel like if you were to poll the average American, this comes away from military. Nobody's rooting for Putin, obviously. Yeah. But there is this sense that there's almost like a dereliction of duty towards the homeland right now. Do you feel that at all when you see things like East Palestine or the border or something like that? The border is a big one, but also our military. Like we spent 20 years fighting a war that was a today war. Uh Uh-huh. And we spent those 20 years neglecting a war that is a tomorrow war. Our Marine Corps right now is disbanding major chunks of itself because the commandant of the Marine Corps understands politics and sold to Congress, hey, I can change what the Marine Corps does to make it better for the future, and it won't cost you a dime. Uh-huh. But what it is costing us is almost a decade of security. We're getting rid of parts of, of Marine Corps that would be necessary for a fight like Ukraine. So mm-hmm. God forbid we get into that type yep. of fight and, and send troops there. We wouldn't have the capabilities to do it, all to make our Pacific back door more secure in a way that's almost antiquated itself. So I don't mean to be too nervous. Here, yeah, but my point fine. is, what we're doing is we're we're letting go of capabilities that are stalwart, fundamental, like artillery, mm-hmm. uh, certain parts of our infantry, certain parts of our air wing, in order to create what's called littoral or like land and yeah. water force opportunities. And in doing so, we've sold off all this stuff probably to Ukraine, and it'll take eight years to backfill with the new capabilities. That's crazy. so we've got eight years of hoping we don't get in a war because the Marine Corps will be largely ineffective during that time. Wow. Well, make me kind of feel better about one thing then. Yeah. Um, knowing how they love to spend money on this stuff. When sure. I when I hear there's seven point two billion dollars of stuff left behind in Afghanistan, yeah. is that really just like two Hummers? Here's let me tell you something. Uh-huh. We knew that ten years ago. Mm-hmm. When I was in Afghanistan, we talked about how we'll never bring any of this stuff home because it would cost more money to get it home uh-huh. than to just make it again. Okay. So that was always the plan. Okay. That was always a part of the plan. Uh-huh. I think the real plan was to never give it all up. Uh-huh. I think Lindsey Graham's idea of holding on to Bagram or holding on to Kohler in some way, I mean, there is something there with Japan and Germany that kind of makes sense. The problem is Japan and Germany um, doesn't exist in the same world that Afghanistan. Afghanistan yeah. doesn't have a friend on any corner, Yeah, and they're strategically important. I mean, you can mm-hmm. bomb the heck out of Russia from Afghanistan. You yeah, can bomb yeah. the heck out of China from Afghanistan. There's a strategic advantage. Our politicians are so bad at being honest, they just never took the opportunity to sell us on it. Wow, that's so crazy. It's great analysis, though. It's like sports talk radio, but yeah. with war, unfortunately. But, yeah, well, you know, that's why they pay you the big bucks, Johnny Joey Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that earlier. That's not the case. <laughs> well, this is why, though. This is why he can barricade into barrel into my studio and just demand <laughs> to be on the air. We haven't had a lot of these. The show's been on the air three years. It's not often a guy just swings open the door like it's a saloon, and he's like, I'm on next. <laughs> but you were on next, and you dominated the court. Thanks for stopping. By. I appreciate it. Man. You're the best, brother. Back after this. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, doing the damn thing on a Friday. 
888-788-9910 if you want to chime in. Dave Landau's coming up. He's just the best. Johnny Joey Jones was just here, and he's in such hot TV demand, we had to move him up into the hour, make him sound like a diva. He's not a diva. But if everybody behaves, I'm going to tell a story at the end of the day today about someone who has been on the show a lot, who I have come to find out from the staff of a TV show is a huge diva, like actually difficult, like on a, uh, to the point that I'm going to have a talk with them about behaving better because, man, oh, boy. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. <laughs> you know, I always say in life, okay, it's good advice, man. You always want to be like a force multiplier of positive energy. You want to be a dog with a job. I've said it a thousand times. You know, everybody's always happy when a dog comes into the room. Oh, who's a big boy? Oh, get over here. Oh, such a good boy. You know, you put people in a better mood. That's all you ever want your presence to be. If you've become the person who walks into the room and like really ruins the mood, you know what I'm saying? It's it, nobody wants to be around that guy. Get him out of here. Get him out. Every time. So the point is, I may stage an on-air intervention at the end of the show today. I may call up this media personality. It's not a Fox News part. I'm not, like, peeing in the tent on one of my coworkers. But there's somebody I know who works in media who's a pretty big name who I was just told by another TV staff is like, oh, God, we, we do everything we can not to book that person who loves to come on the show because he's a monster. It's a he. It's the only clue you're getting. Now let's keep rolling on now because uh, Joe Biden – unveiled his budget yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. Okay, we've got sound clips. We're going to walk you all the way through it. But one thing you've heard me say a lot, it's the constant refrain, constant refrain on this show, okay, is that if Biden doesn't run in 2024, it's not, you know, the obvious issue everyone says it is. We have a president that is clearly not all there. Fine. And I think most objective observers agree that way. If you poll the American people, it's less than 40 percent think he's mentally competent to serve as president right now, let alone for another six years. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. That being said, he doesn't have a lot of like presidenting to do. You know, the old line pimping ain't easy. Well, presidenting is easy if you're Joe Biden because he's not really in charge. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, for all intents and purposes, his wife is either the president or the chief of staff to whatever bureaucrats are running this thing. I say this on the show to the point of exhaustion. Okay, Joe Biden as a president is the elderly relative with dietary restrictions. If you've ever seen this in a restaurant, old guy goes out to dinner, grabs the waiter, and he's like, I'll have the lasagna. And before the waiter can walk away, the person he's with grabs the waiter and goes, hey, no, Grandpa can't have cheese. Do me a favor. Bring in the chicken. He won't know the difference. The waiter's like, you sure? Yeah, don't worry about it. Five minutes later, the waiter brings out the chicken, and Grandpa's like, this chicken's great. I'm glad I ordered it. And that's what Joe Biden is, okay? He has views. He has beliefs. He authored the 1994 Joe Biden crime bill, okay? He's pretty tough on crime back in the day. Never mind that the overzealous sentencing guidelines of that bill incarcerated a half a million nonviolent black drug offenders. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Well, the good news is a lot of them were released under the First Step Prison Reform Act that was ushered in with Donald Trump and the help of Senator Tim Scott. But point being is, is Joe Biden's views in this moment are very rarely his own. And people watch him on the world stage, the only president who takes more time to leave a speech than he does to give one. Like, it's depressing. Like, when you get into 
the presidential band, that branch of the military, it's supposed to be like a really cushy gig because you've only got to play Hail to the Chief like once or twice a week. Ah, the president goes someplace, you bang out a song, you call it a day. Cushy gig. It's like a Vegas residency. But with this president, he takes so long to get off the stage. Once he gets done shaking invisible hands and sniffing invisible babies, the band's just playing on and on. And I mean, they just exhausted these people. Not supposed to have to work this hard. But we've got a president that's an actual mess. Biden's lost his marbles. Again, a lot of people feel that way. But the thing that will actually be his undoing is that he's completely full of Now, I bring this up before we get into the particulars of this budget. And it's absurd. Okay. Because something everyone listening has accepted as fact, because it is a fact, is that in the summer of 2020, there was a rhetorical war on the police. In some instances, it was a physical war. And that cops were getting hit with bricks and fireworks and Roman candles and maced and attacked and bit and anything in between. Okay, in the summer of 2020, what looked on like a full on societal collapse. And in some instances, major municipalities like New York and Los Angeles cut police budgets by a billion dollars. That's stupid. Use your common sense. You know, the resulting spike in crime has you know, resulted in an exponentially higher murder rate nationwide, but most specifically in the black community. But understand, in that summer, when there was this war going on, the Democrats had uttered the three dumbest words in the history of our country to ever come out of a politician's mouth. Okay, the three dumbest words, okay, were defund, one word, by the way, the police. You're absolutely right. Defund the police. Dumbest thing you've ever heard. And who said it, just so we're clear, the Democrats. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Defund the police does not mean abolish the police. It means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities. I am for defunding the police. Look, the reality is we can't rely upon the police to provide public safety. It's a moment to reimagine policing, to take things off the shoulders. And what we also want is a reconception of how we achieve public safety. How do we take out many of the responsibilities that police officers are now dealing with by investing more into housing, into education, into these other things? You know, in in many cities in America, over one third of their city budget goes to police. So we have to have this conversation. What are we doing? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. But here is Joe Biden, after all of that, telling a Philadelphia audience MAGA Republicans want to defund the police. Clip 35. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police department and defunding the FBI now. That's a good one. I like that one. Well, guess what? And they refuse to provide funding that's going to keep communities safe and secure. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. True story, though. Okay, Joe Biden not going to be the president again, whether he runs or he doesn't. 
And it's not because his elevator doesn't go to the top floor. It's because he's completely full of bottom line. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up. It's Friday. Got a lot going on if you're watching Fallivision this week. And I will be on with Martha McCallum, a woman who is far too classy and far too intelligent for me. But I will be attempting to bridge a 200-point IQ gap. When we get off the air here on the radio, I'll be on The Story with Martha McCallum. Tonight, I'll be on The Bottom Line with Dagan McDowell. Tomorrow... You'll see me on Fox and Friends on the Saturday morning show. Tomorrow night I am on with Dan Bongino. And then Monday, regular America's Newsroom with Bill and Dana. And Monday night I will be guest hosting the Greg Gutfeld Show. I mean, you don't even have to cheer, but you got to tune in. The champ needs the ratings. You better watch that. But it's going to be a banger. Uh, as of right now, the starting lineup, Chadwick Moore, Molly Hemingway, Brian Brenberg, Kat Timpf. And your main man, Jimmy Fallon, filling in for our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. But uh, that's a banger. But right now, my job, my actual, like, W-2 is radio host. So uh, we're going to get on with this show and uh, do the damn thing. This is the first show of our fourth year of broadcasting. We've been on the air for three years. Uh, We are beginning year number four today. So far, it's off to a great start. You can't handle the truth! All right, whatever. Well, it'll get better. All right, but stick with me because the conversation we were having before we went to break is Joe Biden has like a he's a real issue with lying. And what it comes back to is all politicians lie. It's the running joke of politics growing up. You know, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. But, you know, deep down, we know these guys are all full of it. They're dressed in it for themselves. Whatever. The problem with Joe Biden is this is this is a real phenomenon. OK, I'm going to tell you something about your own father if he's still alive right now. OK, most guys dress fashion wise up to the last year they were cool. Okay, what I mean by that is like, say, bell bottoms when were were a thing and you were 28 and wearing bell bottoms and people thought you were cool at parties and, you know, you had a little bit of a social life. Most guys evolve fashion-wise to the peak of their coolness and just don't change it. That's what happens with fashion. It's why your dad might dress the way that sometimes seems like it's in sync with society Sometimes it might seem wildly out of sync with society. She's like, hey, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Uh, But it's because you evolve to a point of cool. But the same thing happens with technology. Most politicians campaign to the level of technology where they peaked. Okay, Joe Biden campaigns in the year 2023 like it's 1983, meaning he's willing to get on TV and say something that's profoundly, shockingly false. But in 1983, you could do that because the odds were the only people that were going to hear the lie were the ones in the room. And nobody was going to be able to instantly play back tape of you saying a completely different thing in a different city two days ago. Okay, but in this day and age, Biden campaigns in 2023 as if the media is still like Amish, like they don't have the ability to record it and contradict it, counteract it. And that's why he gets out and says things like Republicans want to defund the police. Are you stupid or something? I mean, you'd have to be. The Democratic mob was literally defund the police. Okay, it was painted on roads. It's on T-shirts. It's chanted at rallies. They wanted to defund the police with a straight face. 
They tried to make you believe the police posed a bigger threat to the community than the criminals that they swore to protect us against. Not even close. Not even a little close. Not even kind of close. But the world where we have created more empathy for the criminal than the cop is, I mean, I'm telling you, to the detriment of everybody listening to this, it's horrifying. So you understand that when somebody gets out there and tries to disown defund the police, I understand the politics of doing so, the political expediency of not wanting to own that. But when you literally try to project it onto the other party, you're speaking as a man who doesn't have the self-awareness to know just how stupid you sound to any objective observer. Okay, and I bring that precedent up because it applies to many people in the media, too, when it comes to double standards. Okay, we have a guy here at Fox News. A lot of you probably haven't heard of him. He's one of the smaller hosts, but Tucker Carlson. And, you know, I bring him up from time to time because as a person in my position, I'm always trying to give the little people a boost. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. But the point being, okay, is Tucker this week has been showing a lot of footage from the Capitol. And at no point has he been saying the Capitol January 6th was good. At no point is he saying it wasn't violent. What he has been saying is that they have lied about some critical components of the narrative. One being that five cops died that day. That is a fact check false. Now, to be clear, I was no bigger proponent of police than me because everybody in my family is a cop. Okay, but zero cops died at the Capitol that day. You can tell me cops who were there that day wound up dying down the road from natural causes and things in between. I don't want to relitigate this, and I don't want to subject their family to any more torment than they've already gone through. I mean, these poor people. But the fact is the media establishes these narratives not because they're true, but because they're effective. Bingo. Okay, five cops died that day. That's effective. Who wouldn't be upset? Okay, it was a... White supremacist attempt to overthrow the government. You're not telling me the truth. Not even close. Not even kind of. Not even a little. There was no world where the guy in the Chewbacca bikini was going to end the day as president of the United States. And if the point was to overthrow it because they disrupted the vote count in a way where Donald Trump was still going to be president. Also, no world where that was going to be the case, nor was that the motivation. But the media sold that to you anyway. Why? The media is a bunch of losers. But for other reasons. There was political persuasion behind January 6th, something we all universally condemned as bad. When I say universally, I mean my whole network. I mean everybody who works here, and certainly Tucker, was on TV saying this is violent, this is bad, this is unprecedented. However, for some reason they're lying about the cops. Don't know why. I mean, we do know why, because of politics. But here is Tucker speaking to that point, clip 46. Five officers died on that day. Now, that's just not some guy on Twitter. That's the attorney general of the United States. That's a man whose honesty is central to his job. If you had a choice between IQ and integrity in an attorney general, of course you would go with integrity because it's essential. But Joe Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland, is a liar. He just lied about something that is provably false. Who are these five officers who were, quote, killed that day? Notice he didn't tell you. No one ever tells you. No one ever shows you their autopsies. They don't want any detail. They just want the slogan. 
and he's not wrong. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I think Tucker nailed it just the same. They want the slogan. Five cops died. They tried to overthrow the government. White supremacy. But it was none of those things. They weren't storming the Capitol because of race. Joe Biden's a white guy. Donald Trump's a white guy. Well, it's, listen, <laughs> if you catch him, you know, within a few hours of coming out of the tanning bed, I don't know, maybe white isn't the accurate description. You ought to be ashamed of Secretary. yourself. <laughs> Being silly. But the point is they weren't storming the Capitol because of anyone's race. They weren't storming the Capitol because they thought they were going to overthrow the government and install a new leader. They were storming the Capitol, a lot of them rioting, a thousand of them were charged with parading, but a good amount of them committing acts of violence that are, you know, I can't support them in any way, shape, or form. Disgusting. It's the Capitol. Okay, and there is a difference between looting a Nike store in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and storming the Capitol. One is the Capitol. We have a different reverence for it. So far as we know, the Capitol doesn't use half as much child labor as a Nike store does. But stick with me. In that moment in which Tucker went out and just countered the narrative, he didn't say it wasn't violent. He didn't say it didn't happen. He didn't say it was a good day for America. But if you notice, the media response was not the specifics of Tucker's claims. The media response was, how dare McCarthy Give this to a right-wing guy. How dare Tucker endanger our country by showing Putin the floor plan of the cat? Wait, what? That didn't go on. Okay, but more importantly, did any media outlet ask to see this footage? The answer would be no. We played you clip earlier in the week at Benny Thompson, chair committee, flat out saying the members of the committee didn't even watch the footage. This is politics as usual. And why do we say politics as usual? Because they were willing to go run with this narrative because they needed the narrative. They didn't need the supporting evidence. They needed the narrative. It's like Russia. We never found proof that Trump colluded with Russia because there wasn't any. But they got four years worth of narrative. Four years worth of saying an election was stolen. Which is another reason why people believed Donald Trump when he said the election was stolen. And in what world can you tell me it's treason to say an election was stolen but then tell me in the next world, none of these people should be charged. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. (laughs) (laughs) Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. I mean, come on, girlfriend, seriously. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. But understand... Okay, those same people are like, protect democracy. You can't undermine faith in our elections. Come on, what's going on here? (laughs) It's so silly. And when there's a double standard, there's no standard. But you understand all Tucker was trying to say 
was, hey, this wasn't like an all-inclusive resort getaway. It was a bad situation. If you watch Tucker this week, you saw a lot of violence. Why? Because there was a lot of violence. But here's Anderson Cooper and Adam Kinzinger. Of all people, it's just embarrassing. But here, here they are saying it's cherry-picked footage, and he's trying to change the narrative around January 6th. No, no, no. Nobody is trying to say January 6th was okay. Nobody's trying to say it wasn't unprecedented. I mean, to be clear, we've had radical left-wing groups explode bombs at the Capitol. The Weather Underground has exploded a bomb at the Capitol. So it's, in a weird way, it's not unprecedented, but it is unprecedented. But stick with me. Nobody's telling you it was okay. Nobody was telling you this should be standard operating procedure going forward. No one's telling you they weren't extremely bothered by what they saw that day. What he is telling you is the key pieces of information the Democrats are using to sell this narrative are all BS. That's what he's telling you. But here's Anderson Cooper saying, that's oh, cherry picked. They're trying to whitewash it. Here it is, clip 44. I could take footage from World War II and find like a little piece of that and convince somebody it's the moon landing because uh, well, you can find anything. I thought about, I mean, look, look at like Vietnam. You know, there's plenty of footage of Marines and soldiers at their bases uh, you know, hanging out in Saigon, uh, you know, in off time. I mean, you can take video of anybody in the course of a day when something is not happening. And then if you can't say that the Vietnam War wasn't violent and people weren't getting killed. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, dude, don't you have any respect for yourself? Zero zip zilch. And why do I say that? Because Tucker isn't trying to make the argument that nothing happened. Do you understand where their response is to something other than what he's doing? He has made it very plain that he's not there to say the Capitol was a good thing. He's not there to say the Capitol was nonviolent. He's saying specific things. They told us a guy was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Here he is alive and well walking around directing people a few hours later. They told us this shaman violently broke into the Capitol, tried to overthrow the government. Here the cops are trying to let him into six different rooms before he finally walks into the chamber. Okay, not quite the narrative they originally went with. But what they're trying to accuse him of is what? Whitewashing violence. Oh, hell no. Can't be whitewashing no violence. Said the same media who told you the George Floyd protests were mostly peaceful. The George Floyd protests caused two billion dollars in property damage they killed either 40 or 42 people depending on what statistical analysis you're looking at but at a bare minimum 40 people died during the george floyd protests and what did the media tell you they said it was mostly peaceful it's a demonstration of their rights it was democracy in motion but these same people want you to believe tucker carlson is the one that's trying to whitewash political violence. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. And so is shame. Because it's not only these yahoos on cable news that are trying to parrot this, but it's every activist masquerading as a journalist over at the New York Times and the Washington Post. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. As you know, the Laughs and Liberty Tour will be in Mesa, Arizona on June the 10th. Myself and Kennedy joining us now, someone in Sholo, Arizona. Boyd is on the line. Yo, Boyd. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Of course. How, how, how far is, really quick, how far is Sholo from Mesa? Uh, three hours. Oh, that's a hike. Okay. But you should still come because it's definitely longer for me than it is for you. <laughs> yeah, it's 180 miles. All right, let's, uh, let's work on it. You know, it's it's beautiful up here where we live. We're, we call ourselves the, the White Mountains up here. Ooh, that's a win. Um, Mikey said you had a question about the Biden administration. Throw it at me, Boyd. I do, sir. Uh, you have a lot of intelligent people that come on your your show, uh, particularly Mike Pompeo and Tim Scott, which, by the way, would make a great uh would make a great pair for president and vice president. Wouldn't but anyway, uh, my question to you, sir, is uh, there is an intelligence behind all this stuff that's going on in, in the Biden administration. Certainly not him, but there's something going on there after something because, uh, you know, with the, uh, their, their cabinet is totally incompetent. The only person is competent in the entire White House that I know of would be Susan Rice, but what is their what is their game plan? What what is the alternative motive? I you wish know? you know. I wish I understood it because I, I feel like I'm watching a football team or a basketball team lose, so they get a first round draft pick. But you can't do that with a country. But that's what I feel like I'm watching. You know, it's like I don't see a single decision that's like, oh, this is going to help us down the road. I feel like I'm watching a fixed game. It's crazy, and you know, I don't well, want to go ahead. Well, sir, excuse me for interrupting, but usually in politics, it's all about some politics, excuse me. It's all about power Mm -hmm. and going down the road that they are going now. They they you know, they have to be convinced that the power part of it is going to go away from them in 2024. Yeah, this might be a shopping spree where they're just trying to grab bag as many of their like far left ideas as they can. Boyd, brilliant call. Thank you for the time here. Uh, I will see you in Mesa. One way or the other. Uh, we're going to get into more of your calls after this. Boyd sounded like a hard probably not. But, Boyd, you're welcome to come. It's Mesa, Arizona, June 10th. Diamond Dave Landau, he's touring the country, and he is going to check in from Vegas and tell us uh, who's exposing themselves now on the Strip. Yeah! What? Wait, what? <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go. Here we go. Big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Final hour of a very busy week. We've had, I would say, pound for pound, just an incredible week of shows. That is a fact check false. All right, whatever. It's a tough crowd. It's only going to get tougher. Diamond Dave Landau is coming by. And uh, we're going to have some you and me time as well. 888-788-9910. Joe Biden unveiled his budget proposal yesterday. You gotta do better than that. I mean, listen, if you like things like equity and inclusion and tolerance, which are all things we support, I mean, in theory, everyone should feel included and accepted. I mean, the whole point of America, e pluribus unum, out of many, one, we're free-range chickens. You know, that was the whole point of America. Believe what you want, do what you want, say what you want. But the point was, get the government the hell out of my life. Free-range chickens. Which, by the way, I never understood the selling point 
a free-range chicken. What I mean by this, like, oh, you should want to eat this chicken because it was free-range. It was out doing whatever the hell it wanted, and then we shot it. I got to be honest with you. That's the chicken you should let live. He's having a good time. It's the guy locked up in the cage that wants to die. I think he's got a point. I mean, it's yeah, free-range doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel like I ruined a good party. I was strolling the countryside, shacking up with other chickens, having a good time. And you showed up and shot him and threw him on a bun. Kill the guy in the cage. Anyway, let's move on. My logic could be a little faulty. I haven't slept since 1994. Uh, But even I am alert enough to know the budget we saw yesterday was just garbage. Uh, And we have calls on it I want to get into because it's Friday. I'm going to miss you guys when I go away for 48 hours. So let's start with Dennis, who is in Salisbury, Vermont, on VMT. Hey, girl. Hold on a second. Are you in the trunk of your car, Dennis? Do I say I'm in the garage? Let me get out to the fresh air. Okay. Can you hear me a little better? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, I'm going to urge all Biden voters to give their checkbooks to the next dementia patient they meet and ask him or her to establish a household budget for them. If anything goes wrong, they should blame the other members of the household for disrespecting the dementia, dementia, dementia patient's budgetary priorities. So wait, are you, te- are you telling me that $7 trillion isn't fiscally responsible? You know, it's worked for them so far, yeah. <laughs> Yo, hey, go ahead. Jimmy, listen, the day I start alternating between shouting and whispering at you and your listeners without any context to justify it, uh, please stop taking my calls and ask the other members of my household to get the checkbook away from me. <laughs> All right. Duly noted. We will stage an intervention for you, Dennis. Um, I know it is a scary time. I don't even know what to offer in response because he knows this is getting shot down. So the point of him submitting this budget is purely so he can go to his base and say, hey, I tried for all of these things, but the Republicans. And the truth is the scam is that he just had majorities in both houses, which means if he wanted to pass all of this stuff and get funding for it, he could have. So even he, on some small scale, has to know some of this is a bad idea, or even the people running him have to know this is a bad idea. But when they show you this budget, I mean, it, there's nobody who, you know, submitting a budget like this should that should be trusted to drive a motor vehicle. So let's work it out. Uh, good call, Dennis. We'll do it again. 888-788-9910. John is in Butte, Montana. Yo, John. We're doing, man. I mean, better now when you're on the line, although the guy who works the dump button's a little nervous. Well, <laughs> first thing I wanted to tell you is happy anniversary for three years. You finally made me realize why I'm so demented and twisted because I've been listening to you for that whole damn time. <laughs> Good for you. And that's it. And, it, it go ahead. You know, the other thing is, is how in the hell can people be so tolerant with the ineptability of a current administration to be doing the dumb things that he is doing. Yep. I mean, I, I, listen, John, I say this all the time. I'm watching, I'm watching this administration. It's like a team losing on purpose, but they, I don't know, man. They think they're winning. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't mean to trivialize this, but do you think people got into Hunter's stash? Oh, they got into something because I guarantee you there is no way on God's green earth somebody with a sober mind is coming up with the crap that he's thinking about trying to do. I mean, even on my best drunk day, I couldn't come up with that crap. 
and I'm good at that, you know. But yeah, you've had some good drunk days. Um, are you going to be um, on the road near any of these shows I'm going to with Kennedy? Uh, the closest one that I could pr- I'd probably be able to get to would be like Davenport, Iowa. Ooh, June third. Um, that would be the closest. That's gonna I'm, I'm, good. I'm kind of upset at you, though, man, because my birthday's next month on the 2nd, and I was hoping you were going to do a show back home, you know, where I'm at, you know, but I know, you know, we're not lovable, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're like... Wait, wait, double check, back. where is home for you again? Butte. Oh, you're in, I didn't know Butte was home, I just thought you were on the road calling from Butte. No, I, oh, I, listen, I'd love to come out to Butte. I hate, you know, this thing, John, I live in New York, and I hate people. Like, I like having space. I like getting away from people. And the reason I like going on the road and meeting all of you guys is you're fun. You're low maintenance. You're easy. So it, like, renews my appetite for people again. Then I come back to New York, and I'm, like, ready to start a militia by Tuesday. Well, yeah, I know the guys that I run with. They're, you know, they're like, hey, we got a great load. You want to go to New York? I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. Well, listen, if you want to come, you know, we've got a lot of attractions. We've got the drive-by museum over on Ninth Avenue. (laughs) You can bring the kids and make your own meth in Times Square. There's a lot of family fun here. There it is. The great, we just lost John. But yes, if you're thinking about New York, I got to tell you, man. It's uh, it's really, it's basically a colder California in that you're coming to a place that was once revered and is now just a giant outdoor toilet. Man, oh boy, oh man. Uh, I will tell you one other thing, though. Okay, when it comes to this budget patrol, when it comes to this budget patrol, when it comes to this budget submission, now I'm patrolling the budget, you know, the things they're prioritizing are not your priorities. That's the bigger frustration here is you look at this stuff and they're going after equity and they're going after identity politics, but they're not really going after people who know what they're doing. And again, there's nobody. I would never get on a microphone and say we shouldn't have representation. But you should take the extra five minutes to get somebody who knows how to do the job. You know, you need somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, checking boxes is helpful. But if you want a paycheck, uh, it doesn't always get the job done. John is in Fort Hood, Texas. Yo, John. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing, man? My, I'm holding it together. It's Friday. I'm a little banged up. We had a long week, man. So you guys, you guys are carrying the show the rest of the way. Hey, first of all, I'd like to say the other day I tweeted you on the anniversary, told you about Rush Thanks. Limbaugh and oh. El Rushbo, and you tweeted me back, and I gave a shout-out to Linkman. I appreciate it that you tweet back to Hoy Palloy. You know oh, you saying? stop it. Well, I didn't tell Lincoln you gave him a shout-out because he'll want to raise. You know ah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, the guy that called in a while ago talking about what is the end goal of the Democrats, mm-hmm. look, the way I see it, they went in there with all their equity hires, and their equity hires hired equity hires. Mm-hmm. So they're tearing that up. They're doing great installing <laughs> all that garbage. But then when something regular pops up like transportation, they go, well, what do we do? <laughs> well, I don't know. What did you do? Well, I've never done it. They've never done any of that. They just figured they didn't care about that, hoping everything would just be all right. Yeah. That's why they're a disaster. They don't know what they're doing. They just know they hired liberal stuff for all their liberal crap. Does well, that make sense? Yes, it does. That's why I'm saying, like, if you all right, so say we had to have a gay transportation secretary. Fine. But go find one who, as a kid, watched Thomas the Train. You know, yeah. go find one who had a train. Just the basic premise, like keeping the trains right. on the tracks is a good thing. If the trains go off the tracks, you got to show up right away and help fix the problem. I mean, that's little kid stuff. It's not yeah. hard. You know, no, no. And I did transportation for 20 years in the army and booted. He don't know what he's doing. No, he might be good at 
doing whatever it is he does, but he's not good at that, and none of them are. Listen, the point I always make is we took a guy named Pothole Pete and put him in charge <laughs> of the roads. In what world? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, right? you know, you wouldn't put drug addict Dan in front of the DEA. I mean, this administration might if Dan was like transgender or something, but. I was about to say. <laughs> good job. <laughs> All right, my man. Past them, my fr- hey, I appreciate you, Jim. When Listen. you come to Texas, let me know. I'll make you the best brisket you ever had in your life. John, that is dirty talk. You could be charging me three ninety nine uh, a minute for that. Hey, girl. All right, good <laughs> stuff, brother. I'll see you soon. Happy Friday. Thanks, Jamie. My Go man. On. Teresa's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, Teresa, let's get into this. I, yeah. What, how far is Grand Rapids from Holland, Michigan? I'm still trying I to figure this out. Did you, girl? Yes, you did. I did. I you, did. You're gonna meet me and Kennedy because when we show up, like we're we're like relatives that overstay their welcome. Yeah. We don't just do a show, but like we hang out with you till you're hoping to get rid of us. Oh my gosh! Well, here's the question though: in Holland, is that the Civic Center? It's not like attached to a bar. Where are we gonna party? I mean, you will figure it out. You got till July 8th to come up with a plan. You're from there. Oh, I, I, sh- I shouldn't be calling the shots here, Candy Pants. Make a move. <laughs> I got places. How far do you want to go, though? I mean, well, she, I mean, if you're talking about distance, uh, you know, a few miles, a <laughs> few miles. Behave, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm laughing at you. Uh, you were telling Mikey something about the cartels. I need to hear your take because I haven't, I haven't done a lot of cartel talk, and we need to. Okay. Ooh, cartel talk. Here we go. Because I want your input on this. Oh, boy. This so was... yesterday mm-hmm. they, they said that they detained one person. And then we come, or maybe a couple of days ago, then we come back and say, look, Mexico, if you're not going to take care of your cartels, we're going to start taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And then they come back, well, now we have five people. Are they, did they really take that seriously? I mean, did they think we were going to start lobbing some grenades over at the cartels? Yeah, I know. Isn't that bananas? What, no, what, what happened was, so the cartels apparently gave up. Some of the members who had kidnapped those American tourists. I don't know if that was some type of gesture of good faith or what the heck that was. But basically what's happening right now is Mexico, they're not doing anything. Like the Mexican government, there's a lot of overlap between government corruption and the cartels and the violence and everything in between. And they're Mm -hmm. not doing anything to help us get our border under control because they don't feel like, you know, they don't feel like an obligation, like a good neighbor thing. You know, when it comes to the United States, no one does anything because it's like the right thing to do. They do things because we're the world's ATM. And because (laughs) we're not threatening to change the pin code on the ATM card, they're like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it was the one thing Trump had going for him is he had sent a strong signal to Mexico that this border, if it was going to be a problem, it was going to be as much of their problem as ours because he was going to make the asylum seekers go back and remain in Mexico till the case was heard. Once you take that away... I mean, what? I mean, again, Mexico does not want these people. And if they did, they'd be stopping them from coming. So once you take away Remain in Mexico, absent some type of move by us to say, hey, we're going to cut off the piggy bank or, or something to that extent, they're not doing a damn thing. Right. So. Well, and we've all seen the movie. I mean, nobody wants to go after a cartel. No. That's not going to end. No, well. that doesn't end good. Either. You're right. Um <laughs> 
I mean, you could take a, it's kind of like ISIS. You take a, a couple, there's going to be a couple more right behind them. Yes, I know. It's like the tour. I don't think Mexico has ever won. Yeah, I don't know that that's the answer either. I think, I, I think you know what we got to do? We got to crawl before we walk. Let's figure out what bar we're going to, and then I'll figure yeah. out how to overthrow yeah. the drug cartels, okay? I mean, we don't, we don't want to overthrow them just yet. We have a party. We're not going to have any drugs if we overthrow them. So come on here. Exactly, exactly. Well played, Teresa. Priorities, Jimmy. Thank you, girlfriend. I will see you. I'm sure I'll see you before then, but uh, either way, Holland, here we come. Exactly. Can't wait. Oh, you're the best. There she goes, the great Teresa in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who is coming to the Holland Civic Center to see me and Kennedy live on July the 8th. (laughs) I didn't tell her this, but you guys get to learn a lot about me when we do these live shows. Um, I give you a lot of information, a lot of Q&As. You'll watch my stand-up act, all kinds of great stuff. But July the 8th specifically, if you're in that Michigan area, a good show to go to because we're going to be traveling directly from our 4th of July thing on the West Coast. And uh, uh, for us, like I grew up in a maximum strength America home. Um, You know, everything short of, you know, somebody walking around on stilts in an Uncle Sam outfit – like, we were very patriotic because the town I grew up in is Levittown. It was the biggest post-World War II settlement for American GIs returning home from the war. So I grew up, everybody in my town was a veteran. I grew up surrounded by a lot of old men. You should never make a sudden move around. Okay? This, you know, somebody has a flashback and punches you in the throat. It's not good. Uh, but the point is they were great guys, loved the country. We've had massive, massive observations on Memorial Day and, of course, celebrations on the 4th of July things like Veterans Day and stuff like that. And uh, there was so much pride instilled in me. You know, I grew up during the Reagan administration, and we were in on the joke that if you lived in this country, you hit the lottery. And Kennedy, oddly enough, when we became friends, one of the things we bonded over, in addition to our own substance abuse and impulse control problems, is that we both really like the country. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. No, we're not. But when the 4th of July rolls around, (laughs) we're also not going to play any defense. It is going to be a rowdy week out in California. And we're going to come straight off of that plane with whatever motor skills we have and put on a comedy show at the Holland Civic Center. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together on a Friday. Everybody's worked up been a wild week of news. Dave Landau is coming by, kind of lighting the mood. Uh, but right now, we're heading out to Yazoo City, where my man Michael is on the line. Michael! Oh my gosh, Jimmy Fallon. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my man. Uh, congratulations on three years. I wanted to tell you, I just finished my three weeks of Fox Across America, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be here with you. Whoa! <laughs> so you're you're a three-week guy? You're only three weeks into the show? 
I am. I have. I, I have seen you for years on Gutfeld, and now uh-huh. Fox is is all Fela all the time. It's fantastic. Gutfeld, oh, Fox brother. and Friends, Fox oh. Business. You're everywhere. I hope they're paying you. Yeah. I well, mean, it's you know? yeah. It's tequila, tequila, and Tide Pods, but they're good Tide Pods. <laughs> Um, so you, uh, so you know, I'm hosting Greg's show Monday night. I will remind everybody again yes. this Monday. But uh, I, I can't wait, and be- I hope you wear another one of your wonderful jackets. Oh, you're going to get a banger! Are phenomenal. I'm saying, Michael. You know, the only reason Greg doesn't like them is because they don't come in kid sizes. It's the only reason. <laughs> but Gap Kids doesn't carry them. Yeah, oh, you can't get bad. it. I've checked every Baby Gap. I want to get them one. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> But I can't. Let me, let me tell you, seriously, buddy, mm-hmm. I love how you comically take on the serious topics. Just what I need. It is so bad. There's so much bad news out there, and you make me laugh. I love your take on these things. It you, is, it is 12 to 3, I'm yours, baby. buddy. That's what I'm saying. Listen, you said, <laughs> you said that just the way I wrote it down in the email I sent you. So thank you for reading it the right way. <laughs> You got you got 20 coming on the Venmo. Michael, thanks for the call, brother. You're the best. I'll see you on the TV, my man. How about Michael? What a what a home run guy. <laughs> love love his enthusiasm. And everybody's like, "Yeah, you know, I love how you make fun of the news and the serious situations. It's actually just immaturity <laughs> with a with a broadcast platform if we're being honest." Uh, but this party rolls on with Diamond Dave Landau when we come back on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They're playing No Doubt. Perhaps a nod to this next man standing as the Gwen Stefani of comedy. We are, of course, talking about the lovable, huggable Diamond Dave Landau. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> what day are you? No, no, it's good. Baby voice. It was hot. I was kind of into it. Um, <laughs> what day are you on in Vegas? What like a, what day of your trip are you on right now? Uh, this is day number five. Oh, my I do, gosh. I'm doing Brad Garrett's at the MGM for seven days. So you do seven days. Diamond Dave Landau is at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM. Now, you know, your background of substance is my background with gambling. So on my Correct. fifth day of ga- – if this was day five of a Vegas trip for me, I would be powdering my Adam's apple, shaving my legs, and throwing on a blonde wig to go make blackjack money. <laughs> no exaggeration. Day six, I wouldn't bother powdering the apple. But day five, I'd owe them some good customer service. I'd try to hide that thing. Yeah, fortunately, fortunately uh, yeah, I don't drink anymore. Otherwise, it would be, let's see. Probably waking up in the street and seeing where I can get an STD test. <laughs> one of the one of the craziest things I ever did when I worked Vegas is me and my cousin Tommy. He was staying at the New York, New York. I was staying at the Paris, and we we gambled like through the entire evening and just happened to lose. I mean, everything we had and a several dollars we didn't have at about six thirty in the morning. And I walked him from the Paris back to the New York, New York. And at that hour, everything on the Vegas Strip, it's just the extras in the thriller video. Do you remember the people who come out of like the, the manholes and stuff? <laughs> at one point, my cousin had a red V-shaped jacket on and a torn-up face. Yes. Yes. Vincent Price was just speaking over everyone somehow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 
amazing is last night I'm on stage and I asked Ben, I go, where are you from? She goes, Atlantic City. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just wanted to get away from all the gambling and hookers. <laughs> you know, just get <laughs> figure. Oh, where can I go to get away from a, a crumbling casino? <laughs> you know, I, I always say, like, if you've ever been to Vegas, every second that you spend in Atlantic City just reminds you that you're not in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Because at <laughs> least Vegas, true. it's like Beyonce, Madonna. You pull into Atlantic City. It's like the surviving members of the village people, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like one of the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you get the Allman brother. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the almond brother, and uh, it's, so it's a step up in class for her. Met Donny Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> I found it funny, but I'm, I'm I'm happy you're out there slanging jokes. So two things, two Thank specials you. I want to discuss. Your special of Prison Ten. It's streaming everywhere. They can go get it. It's at your website too. Correct. Yes, it is. Uh, and they can get it at prison ten dot com one zero dot com. A prison ten. Uh, yeah, it's been a. Really good feedback, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody who's got it so far. No, well, obviously, and it's been the much bigger headline, but a smaller comedian by the name of Chris Rock also put out a special. Um, yes, I've heard of him. Yeah, it's a little, he's, he's kind of pulling it together. Um, I, did you catch it yet, or are you still waiting to catch it in your room? No, I actually – Chris Rock is one of those people who uh, I admire so much I will actually watch his special, and I did watch it live. Okay, good. So let's just jump around and talk about it for a minute. I mean, first of all, the thing I like about him, which I think you do as well as a comic, is uh, there's no filter. I mean, he's throwing the fastball. He's not self-editing. His opinions are his opinions. He's going to share them, and he's not worried. So I think in that regard, it's a win for comedy, no, just to have a bigger name taking that stand. Oh, I fully agree. I think it's it's crazy when people, you know, I think it's too that people go, well, he's a little late to a couple of those things, but he also takes time to put together a special. Yeah. So you have to look at it that he actually takes five years to put it together. Yes, it's a real special. Out every, I wanted yes, to mention that. Special. I wanted to mention that because I think one of the things hurting comedy the most is also helping, which is streaming money. But a lot of times people get streaming money and like, hey, can you do a special in six months? So you get a special that they've been working on for six months and not three years. And I think he demonstrated the value of actually giving your content time to develop because that Will Smith thing happened obviously over a year ago. And instead of, you know, writing two bits and spitting them out to the universe on social media the next day, he actually waited a year and we had a good chunk to show for it. 100%. And he hit him so much harder than Will Smith. I know. It, him. it so was true. brutal, dude. It was, it, I mean, look, I, I almost, it's so crazy because I was, I'm completely on Chris Rock's side, by the way, in every single way. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I almost felt bad for Will Smith towards the end. I was like, if he's watching this right now, he's crying. <laughs> well, it was true because the other thing is it looked hostile. It looked hostile. Like, I was talking about that on the set uh, with Dana Perino because uh, she watches comedy. Like, she's a devout comedy consumer. And okay. she was saying, she's like, he looked like he wasn't over it. And did you have that feeling as a comic? Because I kind of did, too. I kind of felt like it, there was a little bit of a hostile emotion. And, I mean, it was devastating. It was effective. But it, did it almost look like he wasn't over it yet? Yes, because I think it's because he hasn't addressed it. He's probably had to deal with it every day since. Yeah. And that's even when it came to like the why didn't you hit him back? He's like, because I was raised. <laughs> and it was also <laughs> just, and I think there was that, that part where he's like, this is a guy who does a movie where he doesn't wear a shirt. He played Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I played Pookie in New Jack City. <laughs> and he made a very good point how people like Charlemagne the God and all these people had said all these things about him. But for some reason, the guy he decides to hit yeah. is a very small frame man. Yeah, he's, I found that funny. He's too. like 60. 
Yeah. <laughs> Diamond Dave Landau's on the phone. Emily Campagna just swung open the door and gave me the finger and left. You're at Fox News. These things happen. It's so funny. ESPN used to have these commercials like This is Sports Center, where there'd be like a guy in a Mr. Met making photocopies and he had the giant head. Well, if they did like a This is Fox News, like at least twice a day, someone swings the door open and like moons me. And it's like somebody you watch on TV all the time. Literally, as you were finishing your story, the door swung open and I got a middle finger from the host of Outnumbered and she left. Classy joint is what we're running. It's a classy joint. Um, so it's a little motivation. Yeah, that's what it is. Work, we'll work harder. Yeah, if you knew how many times a week Emily Campagno texts me that I'm an a, a fat F, uh, it's great for you, though, because I need the tough love. You know what I'm saying? It keeps me running. And I, I think we oh. both work off a similar process of we have an abusive stage dad in our heads that keeps yelling at us to keep us working hard. Is that not half your process? Yes, I'm married to it. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I, I ask for a plus one at every event I attend just for me and the guy in my head who's yelling at me all day. Uh, but let's yeah, have this like, talk. Why is he alone at the table, but he's talking to someone? It's like he's, <laughs> he's defending himself. He's like arguing, like vociferously. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, comedy. Um, I loved, uh, you know, like, you know, another thing he did well, which I thought was funny, is, I, you know, him going after Meghan Markle carries a different weight for me, and I appreciated it. Because, you know, people have tried to cartoon Meghan, the Meghan Markle thing is like white people don't get it. And those people weren't speaking for black America because everyone sees through the fraud of Meghan Markle. Uh, but I think him lending his voice to that side, I think is I, I actually think in terms of like public opinion, not that Meghan and Harry were trending well. But I think whatever st- South Park started, he might have finished. I absolutely do. And I, I with Meghan Markle, even in the beginning, when someone's like, oh, she's black, like, I, you couldn't come out and say like she is. I, know. I just I just thought standing next to somebody that ginger. Uh, <laughs> We're all black. A, yeah, it was a shading component. It <laughs> had nothing to do. I just assumed she was at best Italian, maybe is, even quarter. I think his words, she hit the light skinned lottery. I think were his words. Exactly what he said. Which yes. is funny yeah. when he's talking about, you know, black people looking and figuring out how what color their baby's going to be. It was like, listen, that's insightful. It's funny. And it's a thing in comedy that was missing because this is what everyone got wrong. You and I have been analyzing this for a while. The reason we got to this place where comedy felt threatened is because big name comics were were um, agreeing to these new rules of engagement. Like when you heard somebody like, you know, Steve Harvey a year ago saying like, oh, I won't do a special because of the cancel culture. I'm like, but you're empowering them by standing down. You know, all you needed was someone to punch him in the face. I mean, I give all the credit here to Chappelle because he was the one who really took the stand. And I think he highlighted just how ridiculous the whole thing was because Chappelle wasn't being transphobic. He literally established a scholarship fund at the end of the of the special, which is hardly I hate these people. So, no, he got and got stabbed for it. And Chris, (laughs) well, there's a moral there, too, which is never hire a security team that gets paid in weed. You know, no, that's true. <laughs> when 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 he got stabbed right at the Hollywood Bowl, if you remember, yeah. there's a moat, a massive stage, and the guy who stabbed him had to run about seventy five feet to get to him. That's bad security. Like three feet is all right. I get it, but that guy was like out of breath by the time he got to him. That's how long the oh, run yeah. was. <laughs> well, the guy had already been taken down by other comics. You know how lazy <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> to be a security guard who gets beat to the punch by other stoned comics. 
But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you're really the worst at your job at that point when Chris Rock's already ahead of you. Oh, it's so freaking funny. We're talking to Diamond <laughs> Dave Landau. He is in Vegas at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Uh, he is there till when? Sunday night? Sunday night, yes. Ooh, Diamond Dave. I am... Uh, but I, go ahead. But I wanted to say, though, real quick, with you, though, on that, too, with the race thing, I thought it was so interesting because there were points where he said, this is racism in America. But then he wanted to pull out and point, like, this is not. Yeah. The stuff that you're blaming on, you know, this family and calling it racist and saying that it's this, he's like, this is a racism. This is just something everybody does. So and he true. goes, this is a black community thing that you're blaming on, like, the Queen of England. And I like that he said, like, of course they're the original racist. And it's true because they're not only, they're not really race. I mean, classism. It's like, are you yeah. kidding? Of course, that's already exists there. Uh-huh. But it's like, these are people who don't date outside of a very specific gene pool. Yeah. Like, of course, they're not going to like her. <laughs> they don't date out of a specific family. Yes. But, but no, yes. Like, when they brought in Diana, they were like, uh, how do we get rid of this? <laughs> like, what do you think they're going to think of making Markle? I mean, man, it's so funny, but it's true. And like, this is the difference too. what I think people are rightfully exposing is they try to claim a weird victim status of like Prince Harry always says he's not going to let what happened to his mother happen to his wife, which I understand you wouldn't want what happened to your mother to happen to anyone, let alone your wife. But the difference is his mother died running from the paparazzi. OK, Meghan Markle and so Prince Harry later. are. Yeah, right. But they, <laughs> that's funny. But they are chasing. <laughs> they are chasing the media. It's the opposite. It's like, hey, put me on the show. That's why I thought the South Park thing was good. And again, these weren't jokes we weren't telling ourselves. But sometimes when the bigger name people come in, it kind of cements the belief, you know, and does, you know, we fight the ground war because we're the guys risking getting fired, voicing these opinions in clubs for two years. But by the time, like, mainstream culture catches on, they'll get the credit. But I don't want the credit. I'm just glad people have established that, you know, the victim culture, I think we've finally outgrown as a country. Like, nobody wants to be lectured about the hardships of being a princess. Nobody. Well, no, well, no. It's that everybody wants to be a princess or a duchess of yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'm going to say we're speaking. Yeah, we're speaking right now as two guys who dress up as princesses on the weekend. So it's, yeah. we, we, we don't lack empathy, folks. When you just have two people who, are, who say we don't want to be part of the royal family anymore, we don't want the attention. Who would you like to tell? All of the media. <laughs> I want to. I want to announce to the whole entire world that I'm sick of this attention. And I need it to go away. So I'm going to host a podcast and a ride-along documentary about my life just to make sure everyone understands how committed I am to this privacy. Yes, I give me that Netflix deal. I don't want anyone to know about this. <laughs> and then we're going to move off to a private getaway. It'll just be us and 35 of our closest cameramen. It's so yes, stupid. It's <laughs> so Stupid. Yeah, I was so glad, and it's and that's what I was saying. Like, I personally, look, I love the Chris Rock special, and I really, on a side note, I've heard certain comics say, "You're like, I thought it was okay," and I look at them, I'm like, "Yeah, you're better." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, in a, uh, it's funny because having not watched him in a while, you know, he pads setups like a wild man. You know, my daughter's spoiled, you know, but he has a purpose to doing that and that like he's marinating an opinion in a lot of attitude. 
Um, but I think that part of the reason, because we're di- it's a different culture now in that people don't have an attention span. And you never really like when you someone's like, so you opened up a Chris Rock special. Fifty percent of the people watching that are also checking their phone during the process. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I thought he was smart to backload the Will Smith stuff. We all knew it was coming for the simple fact that I think it is the reason most people tuned in and that we've saturated the market with so much content. I think in a lot of ways we've devalued it, you know, because there's just too much content out there and it doesn't have a shelf life. So I thought in addition to it being put together well, um, he was smart to pad the way he did towards the end because it kept everybody on the hook, you know? Absolutely. And he's always set up his jokes with two setups. He always repeats himself. Yes. Because he wants you to know exactly what he's saying, the exact point that he's going to drive the punch home. Like if you go back to Bigger and Blacker or Bring the Pain, that's always something he's done so it can never be misinterpreted. Yeah. Or misinterpreted, you know. So that was nothing that was new to me, but I guess if you're from a newer generation and you're just being introduced to Chris Rock, you probably don't realize that that's his particular style. Yes. Well, in any event, if you were introduced to this Chris Rock, it was a good introduction. It wasn't the special Michelle Wolf wrote. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I was not a huge fan of. Did you tambourine was tambourine. a little different? Yeah, it was tough. Tambourine was not my favorite because yeah. it just wasn't the same demeanor in Caden. Yeah, well, that's part partly because he was hanging out at the cellar a lot with Michelle Wolf and wanted to be liked and compassionate and tolerant and everything else, and kind of took he kind of took the testosterone like the edge off what he was doing. Like the reason this was such good vintage Chris Rock is he devoted five minutes towards the end to getting laid after the show. Like, that's the Chris Rock we all know. The guy who goes to daytime strip clubs. That's the Chris Rock yes. we all know. Dude, bring the pain is top five. Yes. And, dude, easily. And, yeah, bring the pain. Chris Rock is the one I want to see every time. Oh, it's so funny. He used to uh, – He don't, don't ask me how I know this, but he used to hang out at the old Bear Elegance on 50th and Broadway. <laughs> It was one right. of those Times Square, you know, those Times Square adult establishments that didn't have a liquor license. Like, oh, yeah. So, you, no, you, yeah, you know, some things CYOB. went on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you think, well, you're like, oh, my God, is it Chris Rock? That's amazing. It was like oh, when, we, crazy. when we were in high school, the only place we could get into because we didn't have ID was Bear Elegance. And we would see Chris Rock there oh, during yeah. the day. It was amazing. Good times. Oh, Canada had Canada and Detroit had those places where it's like, wow, they make a lot of money off of iced tea. <laughs> yeah, because <And>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to buy the girl a drink. And, yeah, they still charge you twenty nine dollars <laughs> for the girl's drink. Because well, we've got to put an umbrella in the iced tea. You understand here? That's a, oh, would you like to go to the champagne room? Why is there a bed? Just, <laughs> just, just hey, it. you're not a cop, are you? <laughs> Uh, well, now that we're done making uh, this media institution proud, I'm going to let you go on your way. Uh, if you're in Vegas, go see Diamond Dave Landau at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Have a good weekend, brother. You're the best. You too. Thank well, you, my friend. There he goes. Back after this. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America. Show's almost over. This is normally when I'd have my son on to tell you how bad I kicked his ass in Madden. Shut your mouth. No, the link man. It's parent-teacher conference day today, so he's off right now bribing teachers to say nice things to my wife. Uh, And I am off to the television where I'll be joining the great Martha McCallum 
at 3.50 Eastern Standard Time. Tonight, you can watch me with Dagan McDowell on the bottom line at 6. Uh, tomorrow, I am on Fox and & Friends. Uh, and tomorrow night, me and Dan Bongino getting the band back together. But then Monday... We rock it out. I am hosting the Greg Gutfeld Show, the highest rated show in all of late night comedy. A former New York City cab driver with a community college education will be holding down that fort. I mention one because I want credit. Few have done more with less than I have. But two, to remind you, you live in a country where anything is possible. Except another five seconds of this show. It's over. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.